All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the season five finale podcast episode. And as if you've been subscribing to our email newsletter, as you've seen, major announcement, big news for Martin and I, and that is that we have decided to bring Idea Lemon to a close, but continue the podcast. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot of you wrote back to us, um, which thank you for doing that. What we're going to do with this episode here is a little bit different than what we normally do. It's just us two in this episode, uh, me being Raj and... I'm, I'm Martin. <laughs> yeah, you being Martin. <laughs> um, and what we're going to do with this with this season five finale is just kind of t- take you guys through what happened, why we decided to, why we're deciding to shut down Idea Lemon, what's next for us, and kind of take you through the journey of, and the lessons we've learned um, in trying to build a business over the last four and a half years. Um, so yeah, it's been four and a half years, which has been a pretty interesting ride. I can tell you with absolute certainty, one year ago when we were doing our road trip season finale, season two, there was no way in hell I thought this is what we'd be doing one year later, <laughs> shutting down Idea 11. I don't know if you agree with that, if you had the same thoughts. Uh, I mean, I didn't think we'd be shutting down, but I definitely had questions about where it was going. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. But I didn't think, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's naivete, but did I say that right? Naivete? Nivity. Yeah, it's being naive, <laughs> but I was kind of like, oh, no, like, we'll make this work. It, it's the thing we started, so of course it's going to work. But then, what, nine out of ten businesses fail, right? We're one of the nine. Hey, why not? <laughs> Majority uh, rules. <laughs> but as we got into earlier this year and we started selling our online course, um, I, didn't, I, I didn't think we'd be shutting down Idealism, but I knew it was a reality or a possibility that what we were doing might not end up working out. And I think that starts to happen once you start doing real business. Once you actually do something. Once it's out of the idea phase. Yeah. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had a, like a lot of individual conversations with people where they're like, you know, when I've told them in person, hey, look, this is what's happening with us. And they've been like, so how do you feel and everything? And I was like, you know, at first I was like pretty, I don't know if distraught was the right word, but I was emotional about it. Um, but at the same time, like we kind of always knew this was a possibility and I think we were, based on that, I think we were at least kind of prepped for that being a reality someday. Yeah, I think the thing that always uh, would go through my head is we, we'd always talk about Idea Lemon like it could never end. Mm-hmm. And uh, similar to my first job, when I realized that they don't fire people, that was when I had to fire myself. I was like, all right, well, if you're not going to do it, the only way I can actually, you know, get things moving to the next thing is is to fire myself. Um, I always thought it was interesting that we looked at it as something that could go on forever, regardless of whether or not it was making money. Mm-hmm. And because of that mindset, not that that's a bad mindset, it's good for ideation, it's good for creation, it's good for, you know, trying out lots of things and, and meeting lots of people. But because of that idea of this, this won't die, even if it's making money or not making money um, always kind of kept me being a little bit skeptical of whether or not it was a business versus a hobby versus a side project that made money versus, you know, a hustle, whatever you want to call it. Um, It it would always fluctuate back and forth between like a side hustle that made some money, um, a hobby project and a business that we were trying to run. And 
you know, when it's going back and forth between all those things, um, I would find myself at certain times very emotionally attached and at other times very detached because mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure where it was. So let's kind of like backtrack, starting with the most recent events, um, and we can work our way back from there. Because over the last, so it, it's end of October right now. We made this decision. Well, we had the conversation in early August that, hey, we might need to shut down this business. Either we shut it, either we, do we dissolve it, or one of us buys out the other person. Um, we had that conversation over in 1871 mm-hmm. on the couches there. So if this has been brewing for a couple of months now. We just only happened to, I think we finally made the decision that we weren't going to do a buyout. We would dissolve early September, I think. That sounds right. Um, so this has you know, been on our minds for about a month and a half now. And we've we've had that decision already for a while. We, just, we needed to figure out the paperwork, which didn't happen until a couple of weeks ago. And then we decided to do the announcement you know, in alignment with closing out this season of the podcast. Yeah, which I think is something in a lot of the conversations that I've been having with people is really interesting because when something is a side project or an idea or something along those lines... There's no paperwork. There's no ownership. There's no worries about any of those things. Um, but once you actually make an LLC out of out of your idea and you have to start running like a business and doing taxes and thinking about things on a quarterly basis and everything like that, it really does change what it is you're doing and the decisions you're having to make. And so uh, I was talking to someone, they're like, oh, so you're just like going to keep idea lemon going. And it's like, well, it, we made it a business. We made it an LLC. So you can't just keep it yeah. going. Maybe, in, well, first off, it's $500 a year just to pay to the state to have a business. Well, there's that. Right? <laughs> you have to file quarterly taxes. You have like if a company is not making money, then what's the point of it being around? Because it's mm-hmm. actually a financial burden at that point. And so you really need to. And, and also, uh, if you want to create another idea underneath um, the name, you both have to be 100% on board because you both own that idea. Yeah. So whereas back when it was just a hobby, uh, back when it was a side project, um, you know, we one of us could go off and explore something and come back and be like, hey, I've been playing around with this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that's not how companies run, right? There's a very big difference between um, a creative project and, and a business. Yeah. So to bring it back to like, you know, August when we made this decision or when we said like, hey, we either have, you, you approached me and said we either have to dissolve this or one of us has to buy the other person out. Um, but we can't keep continuing in this you know state of flux, quote unquote. Um, and that conversation happened because if we go back to May of this year, um, you started working with Startup Institute, mm-hmm. the in-person career accelerator program. And so... So you uh, you left your your last job July of 2015, right? And then I I think mentally you kind of gave yourself roughly a year. Yeah, well, mentally and also financially. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we got we we got to the point in May of this year where we were making some money, not a lot. We were making some, and you were like, "I have to get a job because." I need money. <laughs> runway's up. Runway is yeah. runway is a real thing. Yeah, and so for everyone listening, and I, I don't think it's a term I really knew until we started looking into business stuff, right? And Srini started mentoring us. Uh, Srini, of course, of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Um, and he said, like, that's how you need to start looking at things is terms of financial runway, meaning if you were not to make another dime, how many months do you have left until your bank account is at zero? 
right? So, I mean, I think our runway was at a few months mm-hmm. um, if we made no more money. Um, but that was also if we, I think if we continue to pay ourselves. So, so for reference, we started paying ourselves beginning of this year, not a ton, some money. Uh, we started paying ourselves a monthly, what, salary, quote unquote, more or less. Yeah. Um, and that carried us through to, so every month from January through May, maybe even June, we paid ourselves uh, once a month. And our runway was even shorter than, I think, three months if we were going to pay ourselves another month at the same amount. Yeah, and just like most startups, the founder doesn't pay themselves, right? When, yeah. when they're trying to reach break even or when they're trying to reach profitability, they tend to either take very little or, or <laughs> take very little salaries or, uh, you know, no salary at all. Yeah. So where we were making money this year was, as many of you listening know and remember, and, you know, I've mentioned it on several of our episodes. And if you've been reading our emails, then, you know, and perhaps you're even a student of our program. But we developed this online course for personal branding and we were selling that this year. Um, and we actually did uh, three cohorts of that, a January, February, and then a March, April, and then a a May to June, Mm -hmm. and I think early July. So it's a 10-week program on personal branding. Um, I think 32 students total went through it across three cohorts. Um, It was the the beginning of this year, that was our sole focus, was, was building out that product and making it as good as it could be. Um, yeah, and this is something that's really, um, I think it's it's one of those things that if you're in the um, building your passion world, uh, you see this a lot where people have websites and blogs and the blogs filter down to books and, and products. And one of those products tends to be an online product that's, a, that's an educational product for different topics. And so it could be SEO, it could be anything. Ours was specifically about personal branding and how that can be used to help you find a job. Yeah. So that's what we, that's what this whole year, you know, was, was focused on was how do we make this course fantastic and then optimize selling it. So. And how do we make it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That too. Right. Uh, And you know, we product wise, like I think we built a hell of a product. Yeah. Cause we'd spent three years. Yeah. Three and a half years. Uh, perfecting the ideas that we had put into that product. Yeah. And here's what starts to happen, um, or what happened with us, is you get a few sales and it's like, all right, hey, this is working. Like, we can do this. You know, like we were on like a highest of highs in January, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had our first cohort go through. I think it was seven students. Um, they were, you know, like writing back to us. Some of them were writing back to us being like, hey, this is really helpful, giving us results. And that was great. And then we started selling for the second cohort. And the way an online course, you know, traditionally the way an online course is sold, and you, you know, if you remember, you saw it from us earlier this year, and if you subscribe to other people's lists who sell online programs, they do it the same way, is you essentially only have like one week out of the month that you are actually selling the product. So the, the tactic used is creating scarcity around it. Hey, enrollment is only open for these seven days. If you do not buy in these seven days, it's not going to be available again until, you know, a couple months later. And how long, how long is that going to set you back if you wait for another couple months? You're in a job you don't like, you know, another couple months, how long can you withstand Yeah, that? and usually the price goes up each time because the communi- community gets larger and there's more value. And there's a lot of great programs out there that run that way. Yeah. So 
Now, for us, the issue that we started to see was, hey, we are we really only outside of like doing a making a few hundred dollars off of a workshop here and there throughout the month. We only had money coming into our account the last week of the month, right? Maybe last week or first couple of days of the next sure. month. Um, and we're like, okay, well, this is tough, tough to be able to plan anything because we also couldn't predict really how many sales is that going to be. Yeah, and I also think it's you know partially bootstrapping, right? Like, right. I mean, we. And what I find really interesting is as we're going through all this and we're figuring out what our runway is and we're figuring out what our sales are and we're, we're actually making sales and feeling on top of the world and and people are loving the product, which, by the way, just the fact that we built something that people paid for and enjoyed is... And paid up to $550 for. Yeah, which <laughs> is just something, if you had asked me four years ago if I could have done that, I wouldn't have had an answer for right. you. I would be like, I don't know. I work in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never built a product. Um and so I think that's really cool, but I also think um, it's it's very interesting as you look at these sort of cycles and you look at the different ways that these things run, it it does make it, when you're bootstrapping, it does make it very difficult to both figure out the business model, figure out the sales model, figure out the product, figure out the audience and all of that without much buffer, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and constraints are good. They made us really uh, scrappy. They made us... Um, do a lot more with a lot less. But I think that there is a, there's something to be said about, you know, we, we really wanted to keep things lean um, and we were our own investors, right? We invested our own money into all of this. Um, everything that we'd made up to that point um, was what allowed us to spend a year launching a product and building these things. And so it's very interesting how, uh, how different the mindset becomes when you're working with your own money and your own runway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think money, that's probably one of the things we did best over these years was handle money. Like we always, because we didn't really have that much, we always like, we always treated things with like, like every purchase was like, can we afford to do this? Can we do this Well, it dinner? doesn't make sense to the bottom line or is it frivolous? Like you hear stories about people who were venture funded who got like hot tubs for the lobby of their building. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a terrible use of money. Like that's, that was one of the reasons we thought, you know, people would always say like, oh, are you going to go on Shark Tank? Are you going to try and get investor money? Are you going to ask your family to, you know, invest in this product and stuff? And we wanted it to live or die on its own merits, yeah. um, not because people are pumping money into it and then, you know, potentially not being able to pay those investors back. Yeah. I'm actually I'm reading Damon John's The Power of Broke right now. And one of the things he talks about is that he's like a lot of. A lot of founders get startup, you know, they get funded, but the money, because it's not their money, it's not real to them. So they start spending frivolously, mm-hmm. they rack up expenses and the money runs out and then they have to go raise more capital and before, like, and then all their shares get diluted of the company by the end of it. And I mean, Twitter, Twitter still hasn't made a profit. Right. Right. <laughs> and I was talking to someone recently who runs a nonprofit um, and they were saying, uh, they were talking about how their entire business lives off grants and if it weren't for the grants they wouldn't have a business because it their business model is not sustainable and they even said uh, in this conversation that i was a part of they were saying to those of us who you know either bootstrapped or got venture funding um where people are looking at the results because his his grant they he was being rated on um activity not results so if you were doing these activities every day you got more grant funding yeah um 
But since they weren't graded on results, they spent less time focusing on results and more time focusing on activity. And he's saying it's probably even more beneficial to be venture funded or bootstrapped because you're only uh, evaluated on the results of the activity, which means every activity you do has to make sense and has to have a result. Otherwise, it's an activity that was useless and, and um, not bringing value to the future of, of the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perhaps to our own detriment, we were so protective of the money that we never actually, we didn't spend a dime on advertising ever. No. Uh, maybe, and maybe we should have like tested out Facebook ads or SEO or any of that, but we didn't. Um, which again, there's something to be said for just, you know, bootstrapping and trying to figure that out. But also maybe it would have helped if we did put money into advertising at some point. Possibly. Um, so, so we're at about like March of this year. Um, we worked 83 straight days to start the, to close out last year and to start this year. So we've hit about mid-March at this point. And all that time working day in, day out, like 70 to 80 hour weeks, um, was developing the course. And we had students going through the course at this time. We were building it one week ahead of what they were taking it. Um, we had had all the material from, we did a beta run of it last year. Um, we had 20, I think 28 total students take a beta version of this. Yeah, we but had the skeleton was, and then we were adjusting the, like, oh, we talked too much about Batman or The Rock in that lesson. Okay, next week, let's tone it down on the references. Yeah, exactly. And we, yeah, we were using the feedback to say, all right, how do we make the next week as good as it can be? So by the end of it, the product really was optimal because it was based on feedback, um, which, I mean, just one takeaway there. We did it well, but what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they build their product. They don't know who the audience is. They just build it and they don't get any feedback while building it. And then they have this finished product and then they're trying to figure out like, oh God, like, no, you, you're, you're supposed to like it because I built it for you. Yeah. But because they weren't, you know, soliciting any feedback throughout the development process, they have a shitty product by the end. So We've finished building the course at this point. We have cohort number two. It's about you know mid-March at this point. Cohort number two is starting up. Uh, and now our focus is 100% on selling the product. And this is where we start to run into issues because now we, if you look at it on paper, we were improving. Cohort one had seven students. Cohort two had, I think, 11. Cohort three had like 13 or 14. Um, so by those standards, we were improving. However, we were to, to make a sale and, and we did increase the price. The first time, the first cohort was $379. The second one was $399. The third one I think was $479. Or if you bought it on a payment plan, it was $550. Um, so we were selling a few more each time and actually making more money each time, which Again, it's like, all right, hey, things are headed in the right direction. However, to our sales process was so high touch, meaning like we were each of us heavily involved in every single sale that was made, which is honestly like something you have to do at the start. Mm -hmm. However, that's still how all boot camps and educational institutions work. Yeah. High, uh, a really hard application process, a really rigorous um, review process and interview process to make sure these are the right people to be taking this because mm-hmm. you don't especially if it's you know a product that's your baby you don't want to sell it to someone who doesn't need it or doesn't want it or can't afford it yeah and then the other and so actually let me backtrack a little bit what we did for cohort three that was different was we made an application process so cohorts one and two was just like that final week of the month 
hey, if you buy it, like this is your chance to buy it and you're in as long as you hit pay. For cohort three, we started to do an application process where you, you know, it was pretty easy type form thing, but it allowed us to like see like what are people actually like concerned with. Well, we were still doing calls with people that purchased, right? Meaning? Uh, well, when we would sell it, we would have a phone call with people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you mean before or after? I don't remember. Well, I'm saying with the application process, it was they'd apply and then we'd schedule a Skype call. Right, with right, them, right, 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 right. And then if we felt they were good, uh, they would mm-hmm. pay. And, and, and that, that helped us, actually. Well, it also, it also helped that we, ha- we were selling. <coughs> so we've been building our email list for four and a half years. And so we really knew the people who were on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that were purchasing it uh, were people that we'd had um, interaction with before. Yeah. So we, we really knew who these people were as yeah. well. But what the application process did too was it got us out of only making sales the last week of the month. Because yeah. what we did was um, like the, the application was always live. So if someone applied, like we get on a call with them you know, later that day a lot mm-hmm. of times. And then if they were a good candidate, we'd say, okay, you're in. Uh, give us your payment, you know, in the next two days. And they would. And then we just add them to the online Facebook group early before their cohorts, right? So that actually allowed us to get sales, like, in the weeks, you know, before the end of the month, which helped. The issue is, and this is, like, one of the main, you know, um, takeaways for me, is we saw that our best lever for sales was not our email list. Our best lever for sales was our in-person workshops and then at the end saying hey if you want to apply this information step by step we have this online course here's the application for it and you know in a what we were averaging in like a 10 person workshop was three people uh then buying which is that's a fantastic conversion rate um problem is it's very tough to always be teaching workshops oh yeah well and this is something that all boot camps and, and education products struggle with. It's if you, so we talk about the funnel, right? The email funnel. And that means take your, you know, 1800 subscribers, um, funnel that down, you know, 0.1% or whatever it is converts. Yeah. Um, and that's your funnel. But the problem is, is that once you've d- used that funnel once, you know, the next time you use it, the conversion rate is much lower because those people have already seen it. So if they didn't take action the first time, why would they take action the eighth time, right? And so one of the things that I've even seen in the other other kind of boot camps and everything is the funnel doesn't work unless you're pouring new people into the top of it all mm-hmm. the time. And so if you're staying with the same 1,800 or whatever your list size is, if you're staying with the same number of people, it dilutes itself. Whereas you, there needs to be a constant pour in from the top for that to actually be a sustainable system. Um, and that's what colleges are constantly out there, constantly, you know, promoting. That's why boot camps are constantly out there trying to find people, buying lists, doing things like that. All of which, going back to we didn't do any Facebook. We also didn't buy any lists. We also didn't do any of the, the other things that a lot of um a lot of these companies will do in order to keep growing because that is that is what you need to do at the end of the day with any of these things they need to have a large population of people to pull from mm-hmm. now we were actually fill, filling more in but just not at a quick enough rate right. or as, as, as much volume because because again our biggest lever was in-person workshops right well and or, i think or in-person really, engagement and really quick kind. just not we were doing it 
not fast enough. And yeah. I think that that is the key with all of this is that, you know, the conversation that we had was, you know, all of this stuff is working to some extent. You know, as with any company, if we're tweaking things and making it better each time, it gets better each time, right? Like putting the application process made it better. It got better people, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is when you actually look at these companies, it's a five to 10 year process for them to be successful. And if you're looking at your runway and then looking at five to 10 years to actually get there, you know, you've got to start weighing the, you know, ups and downs of that. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have anything else that was bringing in income, mm-hmm. right? So what a lot of people will do in this situation is they'll have like consulting going on the side as well or some other means of income. Which we were doing before we went heads down right. to build the product. And I don't think we – we couldn't spare the time to do anything else but this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what also made it difficult was, again, we were, we were putting more into the top of the funnel, adding – you know, getting more email subscribers, not by buying lists, but primarily by doing speaking engagements and teaching workshops – but there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many nights in a week and there's only so many times and places you can do this, you know, essentially the same talk that you're going to get new people and get people to come out. So the, you know, the more traditional online way of, or way of doing this is to like figure out how to optimize your funnels online and, you know, guest post on this site and get them to trickle in. Now I did a pretty good amount of guest posting. What we never did was like, actually track what's working and what's not working. Um, so like I put a guest post on 130 CEO. I have no idea if that is leading people back to the idea lemon site and they're subscribing because we didn't put a, a tracking metric on the link to click back to idea lemon. Um, and even, even in doing something like that, even if we did, that's another thing that like that process, you got to start like one to two years before you're selling your product. So your name is out there. And people are already coming to you before you even have the product. Um, and we just, you know, we maybe had a couple people that were finding us from other sources online, but not enough and not fast enough. So, yeah, again, we were we were making a little bit more money each month. But, you know, what was it in April? We were like, all it's going to take is like one workshop to get canceled or... One workshop where the people who are in it, you know, some of them want to buy it, but like, you know, they have like a wedding coming up, so they can't do it right now to totally destroy our entire sales process. And then what happened in like, that's exactly what happened at the end of April and beginning of May is like a workshop got canceled. Another one that I had taught where I think you were like, we did like separate nights or separate locations, same night. Someone had a wedding and couldn't, you know, couldn't go, uh, buy our course. Well, and those are all, you know, micro things. I think just at a macro level, we'd we'd spent years building a list. We'd exhausted the list. We needed to spend more years rebuilding more people. And I think, um, yeah, it's like one event here, one event there. That's because it takes a long time to build these these groups and build these funnels. And I think just looking at all of it, um, it's all about just time you need time in order to make these things successful um and you need to just keep chipping away i think at a lot of this stuff yeah uh i'll come back to that time thing in a second um but so we hit may and then you're like you gotta get a job i actually started yoga teacher training like the same week you started startup institute um and then it's like all right so and not that i was i was planning to do yoga full-time or anything like that but it was 10 straight days of training that i was in every day 
And then so like, and then you're all in on Startup Institute. I come back from teacher training and it's like, all right, so we've got this idea 11 thing here sitting in the middle. Uh, well, what are even, we doing with it? And even before that, when, when, we, when we saw the runway coming to a close, when we, we saw we had four months and, you know, before those four months came, we needed to start making some moves in order to be able to be sustainable in our, in our lives yeah. uh, after those four months. Um, one of the things that we had talked about is, I mean, I, I still love education. I still love alternative education. I think all these things are really fascinating. I think there's a lot of companies trying to tackle it from different directions with Khan Academy, with any of the boot camps in, in Chicago, with um, any of the online MOOCs, as they're called. Oh, um, mass, what is it? Mass massive online, online something or other. <laughs> and, uh, and what's really interesting is we were having this conversation about, well, where do we see this going? And we were looking at what we'd built and we were d- even discussing like, all right, what would be the next product we build? Would it be, you know, social skills? Would it be X, Y, Z? Who knows what, what it would be? And we were, we were kind of looking at it and we talked about like, what would be our dream? Our dream would be, you know, a really awesome like makerspace school where you can come in, learn social skills with VR, learn how to create things, be connected with individuals. Like we had this really pie in the pie in the sky idea of like what this is leading to. And when we really started looking at it, we were like, all right, so we're basically like the steps to get there are one, make a an online product. Number two, make more products. Number three, you know, find some sort of online, offline combination of those things. And as we were looking at all that, we were like, all right, this is what boot camps are. Yeah. So let's, so one of the things that I was looking at was, all right, let's go see what the boot camps do. Let's, they're, they have funding, they have people, they have space. Like, let's see how they're making it work. And what you end up finding out is that they have all the same problems that we had, uh, just at a larger scale because they had funding. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, finding people to refill that email list, getting those people to convert, high touch sales process, multiple interviews. Um, when people go through the program, once they're out the other side, there's no ability to upsell them because what are you going to upsell them? So you end up giving them support for months and months and months beyond what they've already paid for. So with all of these things, with all of these alternative education um, companies that are out there, the, the it's very interesting because the um, the value, the students that go through it get an insane amount of value. Um, but the companies haven't quite figured out how to make that long-term sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so what I find really interesting about all of this stuff is that, you know, you could build more products, which would get more people to buy different things, but then that waters down the original thing. Cause you only have so much time and so many hours and you can get people to go through the program and be extremely happy. But once they're out the other end, they're going to keep coming back to you just like you go back to your alma mater to go to an event or to network with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never with with education specifically and educational products. If you have a hands on service, the support that you give people never ends. Like we're still talking with people who went through the workshops years ago, mm-hmm. just like the fifteen dollar workshops. Right. Like I'm still helping some people yeah. <laughs> and like and I love doing it. Um, but that's not a business. That's that's something I love to personally do. And I think that's really interesting as you try and charge for something that you enjoy doing in your personal life. Mm-hmm. Now, the so you started working full-time at Startup Institute. 
I've come back from yoga teacher training and I'm trying to figure out, all right, what do we do with our course? Because we made the decision, all right, let's no longer do these monthly cohorts anymore. Let's see if we can just like sell it here and there. Like if I teach a workshop, if we can get a couple students, great. And we did actually like that mm -hmm. happened, but like, well, let's say I learned something amazing about the sales process. Maybe we can apply it. Yeah. Now the issue is amongst other things. One of the issues is how much it took for us to make the sales we did make when we were only focused on that. How naive is it to think that, yeah, we'll, we'll just casually sell this on the side now. And, you know, even if, you know, we did, we dropped the price to $300 and then we stopped doing the cohort model and offering like, you know, weekly check-ins from us personally. Um, but in that process, it's like, okay, yeah, we, you know, I think we made like 600 bucks off of two extra sales, um, just two non-cohort sales. Um, but even with that, it's like, okay, $300 per person, yes. But it's almost like you can't just, you, can, you can't divert like 10% of your attention to that and expect it to work. Um, what actually happened is like, okay, well, like now like 70% of my attention is diverted to something that is supposed to be on the side and it's not supposed to be as high touch, but I'm still making it high touch. Yeah, which is why there were multiple times where we had conversations of let's just close everything down and focus exclusively on the podcast, which is the thing that the most people listen to Yeah, and that we enjoy doing the most. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, here we are today doing exactly that. Right. But um, And I also think it's, I mean, that is that is very much the point of attention um, with everything that we've done with Idea Lemon. And just to get back to where it all began, Idea Lemon started as a way for us to explore ideas. That's why it's called Idea Lemon. <laughs> Let's squeeze out the juice of the ideas in our head. Um, when we started it, I had no idea I could put on a, my own networking event. I had no idea I could coach people. I had no idea I could build an online product. I had no idea I could do any of these things or even like speak to the rooms that I speak to, like, I don't know, moderating a panel with Jason Fried. Like that is crazy to mm -hmm. me, you know, four and a half years ago. Um, and these are the things that, you know, we wanted Idea Lemon from the beginning to be something that would be a catalyst for us to meet people, to help people, to build our ideas. And if it's if it's a you know going back to if it's a side hustle that's fantastic if it's a business that's a detriment because yeah. you are never focused enough on any one thing for it to be fully 100% realized and successful because there's always going to be something interesting that pops up so even with the course once we'd launched the course and gone through a couple cohorts we're like all right well maybe we can start doing this with the business or that with the business maybe we can change and pivot and it took us, you know, I mean, there was a point that we were consulting for Kickstarters. There was a point that we were um, doing all these different things. And we'd be like, all right, we don't want to be consultants anymore. We want to be online product makers. So now the whole business has changed, but the name hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And so everything kind of gets confusing in there. And I think we even confused ourselves because we put so much under yeah. that name that we couldn't even figure out exactly what it was at any given time. So that's why I want to go back to, to what you've mentioned a few minutes ago, which is like some of these things take or these things take time, right? Like the five to 10 years thing. And people can hear that and say, well, you guys had four and a half years. That's a lot of time. Yes. The issue is we did a lot of very different things in those four and a half years. Yeah. So, 
you know, we didn't actually form our LLC until like, I think July of last year, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, sh- I mean, we kind of, you know, in retrospect, it's like, all right, that should have been the moment where we're like, okay, it's a business now. And it, that means it is only this for yeah. the next, you know, however long it is only this Which thing. Which we tried to do. Right. And it, you know, the, the four and a half years, yeah, it's plenty of time, but it was four and a half years of exploring like thousands of ideas. Uh, and like personal branding was like the underlying thing for, for us at the end of the day. But some people know Ideal Lemon over the years for networking. Some people know Ideal Lemon for the types of events we threw, like like meditation. Some people know Ideal Lemon. I would still meet people and they're like, are you still doing events? Yeah. And I'm like, we are 700 ideas <laughs> past that. Some people know Ideal Lemon um, for you know, like life coaching, which we tried a little bit of that. I'll never do again. No, no. <laughs> um, some people know us for branding. And it's like, we're, it was, there's just so many different things that we packed yeah. into it because and career coaching got added on, career podcasting coaching, yeah. got added on. So there were just so many different things that got tossed into the idea lemon name that, again, as a platform, as like just like a project to do things we want to do, fantastic. Yeah. It made 100% sense. To connect the two of us to the things that we were working on together. Yeah. It was great. And it's awesome that like I would walk into an event and someone would be like, wait, are you one of the ideal lemon guys? Like, yeah, that's that stuff feels good. That is a great <laughs> ego boost. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's are you one of those ideal lemon guys? And then also, what are you guys doing again? Right. Like, oh, <laughs> it was just the worst. Yeah. And, you know, our answer, our answer changed so much over the years. Yeah. And it was like, you know, well, we do these workshops on personal branding. We have, you know, we also do these events, et cetera. So. Um, which we were kind of evangelists for of how to how to put all of your ideas under one brand under mm-hmm. your own personal brand and again when they are things that you do and you want and if you feel scattered and want to make them all cohesive under one thing it's like idea lemon is a place for us to explore ideas under that it all made sense under idea lemon is a place that sells personal branding products it got confusing because mm-hmm. that was only one of the many things that we did yeah and i think you know like now that i've had some time to detach myself and really reflect back one of the and you were you mean like you were trying to get me to see this for so long and i was like no but you're wrong (laughs) i read i read my (laughs) journal from a year ago and Uh, i was like oh man (laughs) saying the exact same things (laughs) is you know what i was like so adamant about was like no we can do all of it and it can all be under idea 11 and that's okay what we should have done is if we were going to start a business and we were, we were doing ideal, we should have said, hey, Martin, hey, Raj, we are going to start a business. It's going to be called something different, and it's going to live for just that purpose. Yeah. And we can still have ideal as a brand over here, but it is not what this business that we've started is. Correct. I think that would have been a very good idea. And also, if you listen, did you listen to Levi's? Um, I did not. Oh, my gosh. So it was exactly what we're talking about here, which what's that? What's that Breaking called? down your business. Breaking down your business, uh, which we were on. And that was... Uh, well, and that's another thing. Do I remember when we were on that episode, which was a year ago, roughly uh, yeah. right around this time a year ago, the Breaking Down Your Business podcast is the name. Really and, interesting. And, which, is a, which is a show where these two really uh, eccentric and awesome people, uh, Jill and Brad, essentially... Uh, remember I had like a... <laughs> okay. Are I almost recording? had like a... So it's this. Ex- wait, wait, wait. I, Go ahead. I almost had like a panic attack at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was so much energy so early in the morning. So 
it's basically a show where business owners go to Jill and Brad and they just say, hey, here's my problem right now. Yeah. And then they like, consult you on it over 10 minutes. What was ours? And, and this is to go back to like just being all over the place. At that time, the problem was, hey, how do we pitch our consulting services to businesses so we can help businesses with branding? Ugh. Which is not, <laughs> with, you know, like three weeks later, that wasn't even our consideration set. No. So, well, and, and so the one that uh, I'm referencing, Levi was on there, and he was saying, I have all these different ideas. I teach, I consult, I have some games, I have all these things. Should I put them all under one brand, and then I have the you know the one brand that does all these things, or should each one be its own brand? And they kind of went even deeper than the question and said, you should just focus on doing the one, the one that makes the most money that you enjoy, like the one that works. Mm-hmm. Do that exclusively and make that the core of all of it. And then don't even worry about the rest of the names or anything like that. Because you can still do all that other stuff as hobbies. But the point is, until you focus specifically on one thing and do that really well to the point where you've got a line of people waiting to hire you for it, it doesn't matter how many ideas you have. Because they're all going to they're all gonna just be mediocre or fail. Yeah. Um, Unless you focus on the one. And so the takeaway there is focus. Everything comes back down to focus. And, you know, that's something you and I have talked about at length. And we've even talked about it with Levi. And it's just hard when you're idea people. It's really tough. Yeah. Um, So to bring it now forward to why we decided to just dissolve the business completely instead of buying the other person out, which we discussed for several weeks over... Because at first I was like, okay, I got to buy Martin out of this business. Because, and it was entirely based on emotional attachment. Well, so the, how did we get to the point of, of doing that? So you had an idea for, for how the company could move forward. Yeah, yeah, with, with the course and, and everything. And you were like, yeah. I'm going to take this course, I'm going to sell it to businesses. And I was like, I don't know if I'm on board with that idea. Yeah. And this is why forming an LLC with your, your, your company... And when we formed the LLC, our lawyer said, one of you needs to be 51% so you know who makes the ideas, who, who makes the decisions at the yeah, end of the day. Because, of, yeah, it's 50-50 and you both disagree, you like you can't move forward. You can't move forward. And I think that, you know, that <coughs> anyone who forms an LLC will get probably get that advice from their lawyer or accountant. And they'll or, say, no, you're and crazy. And they'll say, we are, we are great <laughs> friends. We are always, we've, we've done this for three and a half years. We're going to be solid. And I think that's interesting because um, as I've been part of lots of organizations and I've been part of, you know, a lot of boards for different communities and things like that, we resist having one person be the decider because, number one, we're worried it's going to piss people off. And number two, we want, you know, death by committee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't want death by committee, but we want committees because we want everyone to be happy. Yeah. But the problem is, is that when you have committees, you have death by committee and then no one is happy because nothing ever moves forward. And what we found out is, you know, you had an idea. I disagreed with it. We hit a point where it's like, all right, well, I want to move forward and explore this idea. And I'm like, but I own half the business. Yeah. And now, now we're at odds. Yeah. Now it's something we actually have to figure out what to do with do you do it under a different name do you yeah. can you use the concepts if it's under a different well name? and even with that i what i what i said was like okay well what if we do this i own you know whatever i own like 95 percent of this product 
you only own 5%. You get like royalties off of it, essentially. But you can't do but that if I own half the business. Exactly, exactly. And because if I own the business and the business owns the product, I own half the product. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter how you split the money. So now it's a question of, all right, well, if I go build a separate product, do you do I pay you royalties based yeah. off it? Well, all right. But then you have to come up with a different name. But I want to use the name. All right, now you got to buy the company. Yeah. Or blah, blah, and then blah, what you're running, you know, what potentially gets run it. I mean, it would happen it just because of the way we resolve things. It didn't. But what would easily happen then is even if I were to proceed down that path, like let's say mathematically somehow it made sense where I could own 95% of a product, but you owned 50% of the business that owned the product. I'm out doing this with that business name that you have no like control say, over. Control over yeah. And then people are asking you about it, and, I can't and you can't answer. And then people are asking me about what's Martin doing, and I can't, oh he's not. Wait, what does that mean, right? So it's like these are all things, and, and like because people have asked like, well, wait, did you think about like why did you just do this? And it's like, yeah, we explored, it. we tried, it. we thought about every angle. It doesn't work like that because it's a business. <laughs> If you're both 50% owners, you both have to agree on what you're doing. Otherwise, you can't move forward. Exactly. So then that got us to like August where it was, okay, now we have to figure out, are we going to uh, come to a dissolution or uh, am I going to buy you out? And we, you know, we talked to a lawyer and coming out of that meeting, I was like, okay, I think I want to buy you out. Now, the way a buyout works, which we learned, is I... This is one way a buyout works. Sure. I don't know all the ways a buyout works. Um, me, the person who wants to buy out Martin, I place a value, a dollar value on what I think the business is worth. And I make an offer to Martin to buy him out for half that much or for that amount in which he gets half and I get half. So just using round numbers, let's say I think the business is worth $10,000 and I go to Martin and I say, Hey, it's worth $10,000. He can say, okay, I agree. I will accept that. He gets paid $5,000. I, I, I pay the money into the business. You get five. I get five. Now, what happens is the issue here is I cannot, you know, I, you could like standard logic could say, oh, why don't you just say the business is worth $5 and pay him $2.50. But the way a buyout works is whatever offer I make to you, if I want to buy you out. I get the chance to match or. Or raise it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't get to rebuttal on that. So I can't like lowball him by saying it's worth $5. You could say, okay, it's $5. I'm going to buy you out for that much. And I can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's, it's a way to try and do this without lawyers and business valuations and all that stuff. Um, and just trying to figure out how to split it in a fair way uh, and not, you know, cut each other. And so I think, you know, all said and done, we went through a lot of different back and forth and we realize that dissolution is the best option. We both get to use all the content uh, in various ways moving forward in whatever our endeavors are. And then when it came down to the podcast, uh, this was something that you wanted to keep running with and I wanted to keep co-hosting and it just made sense for you to purchase ownership going through that same process uh, for the price you bought it for and then uh, moving forward from there. Yeah, so to clarify there, so moving forward after this episode and from season six and onward, I have ownership of the show in which Martin is a co-host, uh, a co-host of, but it is like I am owner of. So what we're going to do for an agreement is have season to season commitments. What's up, boss? <laughs> yeah. So technically, like Martin becomes employee of me who's not making any money off of it because I'm not making money off the show. Um, so what we're going to do is do season to season agreements. Uh, now, we both know going into this moving forward that it's very possible 
in say maybe two seasons from now that Martin decides, you know what, I don't feel like doing this show anymore, and that's that's fine. Or I could say, you know what, I want a new co-host. You're out after this next season. And, How dare you? <laughs> and that like like that could definitely happen. Right now, I don't feel like that could happen. That that will happen, but that could happen. And we know who owns it and makes the decisions. Exactly. So I don't have emotional attachment to that decision. Yeah. And I think that that's, again, going back to when you form your LLC, know who the decision maker is because someone at the end of the day needs to make a decision. And I think the reason that we do like joint ownership and and committee ownership and decision making is because honestly, people don't want to make the decision. They Mm. don't want the, the decision to be on their shoulders. Well, is it that or is it that neither party wants to give up? Well, there's the right, so in a partnership, it, yes. Yeah. In in a committee, I think it's that no one wants to be the one who's responsible yeah, if because things go wrong. because if things go wrong, then it's all on them and they've let down a whole community. And I think so. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting the dynamics of that. Yeah, and then just another just fact or tidbit I want to just throw out on the point of like how purchasing or how buying out works is. Um, and this was something I had to like really come to learn as we continue to talk about the process and figuring out over a couple of months is whoever is going to buy out the other person, you have to treat it like if a random third party like walked into town and said, hey, I, I see your business. I like it. I'd like to purchase it from you. You have to treat it like how much would you be willing to sell it to that person for? Yeah. Not, hey, we know each other. We're friends. So cut me a deal. It's I have to treat it like. And or you, whatever situation you're in, you have yeah, to treat I mean, it like you, you, random person is coming in, and, there was and what point, would you sell to that person for? Yeah, and there was a point that a number got thrown out, and I'm like, "Would you sell that to a stranger?" And it's like, "No, absolutely not." Then why would I sell? Like, <laughs> it's a ridiculous, ridiculous offer. Yeah, and to be totally frank with everyone, like we got into some like shouting matches more or less over the course of like I don't a few shout. weeks. Not shouting, <laughs> we got like super pissed at each other throughout this process. Ultimately, to figure out like, okay, why don't we just dissolve the business because. It's actually going to give us the best chance moving forward to work on something again. Yeah, which I think is the goal. Like, the goal was for us to be able to coordinate on a future idea together without the constraints that we'd put up over the years with all of the decisions that we'd made. Like, you know, with with every decision you're making with a concept or an idea, you're putting up a wall. So it's like, if idea lemon is this, boom, there's a wall. Now there's an LLC, boom, there's another wall. There's constraints around it. And, you know, we would have ideas that we'd want to explore, like certain video series or shows or things like that. And it's like, well, that topic doesn't fully fit in with what we're doing with idea lemon. So how do we shoehorn it down to Mm -hmm. something that fits? Um, otherwise we can't do it versus, I don't know, just create a YouTube channel that you don't care what it's associated with as long as it's associated with what your idea and what you want to create. And, um, again, this goes back to hobby versus business, um, you know, side hustle versus business. What are you trying to accomplish with what you're doing? Yep. Let's uh, get into some of our reader questions now. Um, so we'll just, I'll, I'll say the question and then we'll just give what our answer is. Uh, Atul wrote us and asked, what was, his name is Atul, what was the biggest, (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because of the way you said that, not because of his name. No, I know, because the first time I said it was incorrect. What was the biggest challenge in scaling Idea Lemon? For me, um, 
getting us down to one idea. This is, I think this is the thing that I've always struggled with, with all of my projects that I've worked on with people is that we want to do everything. I mean, I go back to Smart Owl, which Heidi and I had that whole conversation in what, season one? One, yeah. Yeah, season one. And like, I was reading my journal during the dissolution of Smart Owl and everything I wrote about was, I want this to be one thing, a creative agency that makes brands and logos and websites for startups. But every time we get a new offer to do work with a company that's outside of that parameter, we take it. And every time we do that, it confuses the core of the business. Now, looking back, that's a terrible idea. Startups don't have any money. They can't pay you for those things. So as a side project, probably a cool thing. Side hustle, make a little bit of money. But as a real business, not a great thing. And my whole goal while working with Smart Owl was how do we take everything that we want to do, logos, designs, um, I don't know, app icons, like we wanted to do every type of design for every type of company. And that drove me crazy. I was like, can we just pick one so we know who to sell to? And that was the same thing with Idea Lemon. We wanted to do every type of marketing, every type of branding, every pitch, coaching, every every concept that came into our head versus just focusing on one audience with one need, with one solution, getting that right, and then building additional services off of that. Yeah, and this is where it's just, this happens to so many entrepreneurs, uh, and we're not excluded from that, is... Entrepreneur dilemma. Yeah, rather than like, rather than just pick one audience and say we are for them and we are solving one thing for this one audience, you worry about well, wait, but there's so many people over here who I'm ignoring. And they can be customers too. But if you do that, you spread yourself like you just become you mean very little to a lot of people instead of being the people for one the person for one type of audience. And then if you get if you get spillover from other people, like great, that's what will happen. But you're not try- you're not going out there trying to message eight different people. Yeah, and this might step on one of the other <laughs> questions, but the the tipping point for me was the weekend that we were at two conferences in yeah. one weekend. Mm-hmm. And for me, well, this- let's come to that in a second. Okay. I want to just give my answer right. for biggest challenge in scaling. Uh, I agree with you on picking one thing, and then uh, after that, it was um, the like one of my key learnings is. There's a difference between making sales and having a sales process, and at that, having a good sales process and reliable sales process. It's what we had with our course this year. We were making sales. We even had a process. It was just something where our process was, if we valued our time, we were probably putting in $1,000 of our own time to sell a $500 product, and we didn't have any things in place that indicated we were, gonna, we were driving the cost of acquisition down. So that's a key thing. And that's what separates people from having businesses and having products. Yeah. And we identified what made the most sales. It was events. But you, again, going back, you can only get five to seven events in a week, right? And that's um, if you're like, and that's if, if you're, you're like Iron sleep. Man. Yeah. yeah. If you don't sleep. <laughs> and again, we did that for, for quite a bit. So then to go to the, so Salim's question, what was the tipping point and when did you or when will you know this was the correct decision? So I already know it's the correct decision. Um... I, I came in terms of that a while ago, and I think the tipping point for me was the weekend that we had um, a creative conference and a career fair in the same weekend. So we had actually paid money to be at a career fair for ed tech companies because our product was an educational product that helped people develop personal brands that allowed them to get jobs. 
So it seemed like a perfect fit for people who wanted to transition from being teachers into being into being employees at ed tech companies. So we went there and we met some awesome people and it actually was a really great time. Um, and then the next day we went to um, a creative conference for artists trying to sell our product to artists who want to learn how to create personal brands in order to sell more of their art or whatever yeah. it is that they're creating. And I got very frustrated that weekend because number one, we were spending money with with no idea what the ROI was going to be. That was actually the first. That was the only time we spent money on advertising was the career fair. True, and uh, it didn't convert. And the big thing for me was we talked to two vastly different audiences. So. I'm trying to say the same things to two different types of people and the landing page that they're going to wasn't tailored to either of them. And so for me, uh, I just kind of left that weekend a little frustrated. Um, and then when we saw there was you know, no return on the investment on it, I think that's when it initiated uh, enough of a, um, there was enough of a detriment without any return uh, that it really instigated a lot of the conversations that we had over that next month which led to uh, getting a, a, a job and, and really analyzing the runway and seeing even if we put in the correct sales process today, like we had the process, we were even saying like, okay, going to all these events, we're getting certain numbers of people to convert. But even if we re reanalyze the whole sales process and put in something perfect today, it would take two to three months to actually pay off. Yeah. And we just didn't have the time. Yep. Um, for me, you know, it was the same thing, only I think my emotions about it were a little bit different in that. So, yeah, it was like Thursday night. We were at that career fair. We had a booth. And then the next Friday and Saturday, we had a table at the Google Lake Effects conference. Yeah, like you said, two vastly different yeah. audiences. PR over Now, sales. I came out of that career fair and you were like, I feel pretty good. And I was like, man, I feel like, like shit coming out of that because for two reasons. One, I'm looking at all the other companies that are there. And I was like, man, we do not stack up to these other companies that are there as, as, at all. And then I just I felt so out of place for that. But then also because people are coming up to us and saying, so, like, do you have a job that I can apply for? And we're like, no, we have a course we can sell to you. Mm. And they're like, and, and then they're like, oh, OK. Uh, well, how did you find that? They had reached out to me. Okay. Um, and. So like that just felt really weird because they weren't even coming there looking, you know, for well, that. Well, General Assembly was there too. So it kind of sure. made a little bit of it, sense. Yeah. But, but then even with, to talk about picking one audience, right? They yeah. were like, oh, so is this a course specifically to get a job in ed tech? No. And we were like, no, it can be used for that though. Yeah. So it just felt weird. And then again, the next two days. We're you know, talking to artists and none of them. And, we're, and, and it wasn't even the same. We were, we were changing our message so that it would fit for them. Because it would work. It's just, just because it would work doesn't mean it. It's it right. Needs to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, that, and that's, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Just because it would work doesn't mean, just because yeah. you're working with wood. No. <laughs> um, well, and I think that got doubled down. Oh, no, that was later. But there, we also just one thing is, you know, returns. Mm -hmm. We gave, we gave a, a, a very flexible return policy. Yeah. And we got two returns that kind of really bore the nails in, yeah. the, in the coffin for me. Yeah. I think once we got two returns on the product, um, that was when I really knew this was the right decision. Yeah. To answer the second half of Salim's question, which was when will you know this was the correct decision or when did you? For me, it was around mid to late August when we were in the buyout or dissolution conversations and I started talking to people, getting their advice. 
And specifically, I talked to, so I, I started advising at uh, Bunker Labs, an incubator for military veteran-owned businesses uh, in Chicago. And, you know, that's been fantastic, like so much fun, such rewarding work. And uh, Justin Walker, who is the executive director of Bunker Labs, who I'm, I know will have as a guest on a future episode, he, you know, I, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, do you think I need Idea Lemon to like move forward? And like very quickly he said, no. And I said, why do you say that? And he goes, because I've known you for a month now. Like, you know, I've seen you pretty much every day for a month now. And you have maybe brought up Idea Lemon once. And I don't really know like, like what it is for you. And I, so like, I was already phasing it out before I even realized it or knew it. Um, so when he said that, I was like, all right. I don't like, cause my, my initial inclination to buy you out was I had such emotional attachment. I didn't believe in myself and my ability to succeed without that name. And it was like, oh man, four and a half years building up this name. I can't just say goodbye to that. But then mm -hmm. it's like, no, but people got to know me over the four and a half years as well. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't just get to know it's not. And, and what I think I may have told you before is what I realized was more people most likely have come up to me and said, you're Raj, you do Idea Lemon, right? Then you're Idea Lemon, what's your name again? So for me, it was like, okay, I can succeed under my own name and whatever I do next. And it, I, I don't lose the knowledge I've built just because I, you know, I do a new name or something different moving sure. forward. Um, next question, speaking of Bunker Labs, this one's specifically just for me. Jamie, who is a, uh, a member of Bunker Labs, asked, how has your experience assisting and mentoring veteran-owned startups helped you grow as a person? For me, I mean, honestly, again, it's been one of the most rewarding things that I've done. Um, I've had a, it's been a pleasure working with everyone at Bunker Labs, and I hope to continue doing more with them in the future. Um, how has it uh, helped me grow? Um, I think it's always good to be able to impart knowledge on people. Um, and I think I, I went into Bunker Labs saying, how do I help everyone here not make the same mistakes that we made? And that's really what's been what drives a lot of my advice for them. It's not what did I do really well. It's it's look out this like this will head down a very rough and and dark path if you do this mistake. Well, and that's why we're even doing this podcast, right? Right. Like this is not a comfortable podcast to do. It's 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 tough to talk about all the things that were a struggle over the past four and a half years as we tried to build something from scratch. And I think that there is, um, there's a lot of hope and a lot of um, ambition in people that they can do it all themselves. Um, and, and you can, <laughs> you just need to know, you just need to know what, what to be keeping an eye out for. And I think I think what was interesting is, you know, we knew all the things. We knew all the things that we were that we encountered. We knew them before they happened. Like yep. we'd read books about them. We'd we'd read blogs about them. We'd even, you know, experienced them in smaller forms earlier, like the Ambition Journal and things like that. But you have to go through it to know. Yeah. Like you you un unless you I, I would say try it and let it explode in your face, then never try it at all. Because if you never tried it at all, you've never learned anything. Yeah. And then you speculate, no, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally could do that. Like, oh, I could build Apple if I was just an a-hole like Steve Jobs. Right. It's like, no, you couldn't. Like, you just couldn't. <laughs> it's not a thing you can do. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think working with uh, the veteran-owned startups at Bunker that's helped me grow as a person is 
uh, I think the timing of it was very good in terms of like we were having the conversations yeah. about shutting down Idea 11. I started work, you know, advising over there. It restored my confidence because my confidence was like shattered when we did when we first had that conversation about shutting down or buying out. So it's it's really helped like keep my confidence up and and keep me from like. I don't know, like, like, like when we had Ravi on the podcast a few weeks ago, like I had talked to him about it before we went on air and he was like, well, you've encountered about like 10 years of emotions over the course of like three months. So I'm, I'm encouraged yeah. you don't have thoughts about like hurting people or hurting yourself. Yeah. And not that I feel like I would hurt myself, but it's like it, Bunker probably saved me from going down like just like a, I don't want to I don't want to casually use the word depression, but just from being very, very down on myself. Well, I th- but I think that that's really uh, a really important thing to touch on is that there is a lot of, whether it's clinical or whether it's just short term, there's a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. in, in building your ideas. There are moments of depression in there. And I think any time that, you know, we had to have really hard conversations, it caused a lot of tough moments. And, and I think uh, one of the things that touching on what you just said of like something that helped you sort of continue the confidence. It's, you know, working at Startup Institute, I think that saved us 10 years of work once we realized <laughs> that, okay, this is what even the companies that get funding struggle with. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's what we're struggling with. And it's very similar stuff. Like all of these problems happen, whatever scale you're at. If you're, you know, just trying to create a, a small side hustle hobby project or whether you're trying to build a company, it's a lot of the same things. It's idea paralysis. Um, it's, uh, you know, being too scattered. It's it's trying to figure out what the runways are. It's trying to organize people. It's trying to sell. It's all these skills you need to learn, all these new mindsets you need to apply. And I do think that we took, like those four years accelerated the next 15 uh, because... Yeah. We're not going to be, you know, 40 going, oh, wouldn't it be cool to start a networking event? Like, thank God. Like, of course. <laughs> I'm glad we, we did it then and yeah. we've gotten to where we are today uh, because, I, you know, I talked to lots of people at different stages in their life. And um, I'd rather be the person who tried something ambitious and it didn't, didn't quite turn out the way that they were expecting than someone who still is wishing that he could have started a podcast or something like that. Yeah. Okay, we got a few minutes left here, so let's run through these next couple uh, quicker. Brooke asked a couple of questions. Um, what do you feel like is your biggest accomplishment with Idea Lemon? Like big event or gig you've landed or program you started, etc. Um, so specifically, just the fact that we created something completely from scratch that people were willing to pay a significant amount of money for and be happy with the results is something I I couldn't have even thought about doing mm-hmm. four and a half years ago. Um, it wasn't the most successful thing in the world, but for me, it was one of the most successful things that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And for me, Idea Lemon in general has taken me through so many different iterations of, of what I think about myself. Uh, that I think that that was kind of a nice like moment where we made those first sales because 
Uh, going back to your point about confidence, I think the biggest thing that I've gotten out of Idea Lemon over the past four and a half years is an insane amount of confidence in myself and my own abilities. Mm-hmm. I think when we started this, we started this when I was at a real low point in my first job. And the ups and downs that we've gone through, I mean, I've changed jobs, what, two, three times. I've moved X number of times apartment-wise. I've gone through relationships. I've Like, this has been a constant thing through all those ups and downs. And every year, going back through my journals over the past four or five years before this podcast, it's just... I look at the journal that the journal entry from 2012 when we started and it's all questions. It's how come I can't do these things? How come I can't bring these ideas to life? Am I ever going to be the type of person who's able to wake up at 6am on a Saturday and do work? Am I ever going to be able to make the friendships with people that I aspire to be like? Am I ever able to get out of these ruts? Blah, 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 blah. And then I look at my journals today and it's yesterday I started this idea. Here's the results. Should I keep moving forward? How, how can I adapt this in a different way? Mm-hmm. And it's a very different um, perspective. So I just think the confidence that has come out of doing these things has been amazing. For me, my biggest accomplishment with Idea Lemon, I think it is, I agree. I, I think there, a lot of people can say, oh yeah, I could create a product and get people to pay for it. Really? Can you? And you know what? We did that. And we may not have you know worked out in the end, but we made you know, several thousand dollars off of something, which it could have all been speculation otherwise. And we could have been one of those people who says, oh yeah, I could do that if I just put put time into it. Yeah. Um, but I, also... I, I could totally make Suicide Squad a better movie. Yeah. They would have just given me a camera. <laughs> nope. No, you couldn't. <laughs> um, but also, I, I actually think, I think my biggest accomplishment is the fact that we connected with literally, not figuratively, literally thousands of people over the last yeah. four and a half years. And... Like just how much my network has grown and the people that I am like proud to say I know now um, and, you know, who have like people's shoulders I can tap and say, hey, can I get your advice on this? Um, or people who come to me or come to you, right, for advice on things like, you know, like we again, going back to what we, we set out to do is like connect with people and build ideas. And what we did was we like we just created something that um, is an entire resume now, you know. Um, I think it's more than the resume. It is. It is a. Ne- it is a life. Like we. Yeah. We've. Yeah, yeah. We went from being told what to do to just doing the things that we think of. Yeah. And, you know, there's still so much more to learn. But now we have all of this to 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 build that on top of. Yeah. Brooke's other question, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for other young people starting their own business that you wish you would have known? Um, know from the beginning whether or not you want your idea to be a business or to be a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then build it that way. Uh, I think one of the people that I look at who is doing amazing is a drink with, Hillary. She started a drink with a drinkwith.com. A drinkwith.com. She started knowing she wanted to make this a business. She wants to make it this, um, you know, media business that we're starting with interviews, moving into video, and and you know, into the future. And it didn't start as a hobby that waffled around. It was a clear thing with a clear goal and a clear future. And I think for us, we started this as a hobby, mm-hmm. and then we were 
constantly changing it, trying to get closer and closer to making it a business. Whereas going back to what you said, if we had just kept Idea Lemon as the hobby with thousands of ideas and then just let the best ideas surface to the, to the top, pick it off and start a company with that best idea, I think that would have been the best way because then you've still got the percolator down here mm-hmm. and you kind of like take the little splashes. Test yeah, it's like the idea out. incubator, yeah. what works, you start a new business. You start a business with it. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, what was our conversation? With um, uh, Sean Curry. With Sean, yeah. yeah. It's like you pull off the best idea, test it. If it yeah. works, great. If not, you kill it yeah. and you've still got the percolator down here. Yeah, well, and to that point too, like what so many people asked us over the years was they'd look at our website and say, so what is Idea Lemon? And we'd have different answers a lot of different times. And because we didn't, even at the because same, of that, even at the same time, yeah, you and I would have different answers because of that. You know, it was everything all the time. Like we, we really like, I don't know if any other business owner has struggled so much to figure out what their website should look like as yeah. we have. No, they have. Like, all right. Maybe they have. That's the thing. Like all this is none of our problems are unique. Like they're yeah. so very common. Yeah. Everything that we've gone through as I've been at, you know, talking to companies that, at these different incubators like it's so common all the things that we've dealt with and that's why i think this this episode is is necessary it's because these aren't unique things to us like everything we've gone through other people have gone through a thousand times before okay so my my answer for biggest piece of advice for other young people start who start want to start their own businesses that i wish i would have known um what you said is spot on on top of that um Start with a business plan. If it's going to be a business, have a business plan. What is your financial model? How are you going to make sales? What's your sales model? All of these things matter. And if you know them up front, that guides your decision making. Not, which you warned me about and I didn't listen. I said, no, the money can figure itself out. I feel like if we just keep doing what we're doing, we'll get there. And no, like, no, that doesn't work. That's not how business works. And people think like, oh, no, that's the old way people did it. No, that, they did it that way because it worked. Well, what's the meme say? Uh, if you do what you love, what, what is it? It's like, I don't know. If you do what you love every day, you'll never work a day in your life or yeah. something like that. It's yeah. like, no, if you do work that people need, yeah, you'll always be in business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I think that's so important is to have that, like, actual business model built out because um and that's what i'm doing i'm studying business models now right and you know like one of the things that is so prevalent today is as long as you're passionate that's all that matters fuck that (laughs) like passion will get you through the first oh finally you know like (laughs) like passion will get you through the first you know few days but then when things go wrong you you know is it passion at that point uh do you really still want to do it it's like no, like be a smart business person. Don't just be like a you know millennial young person who's like you know a go getter. Actually, be a smart business person as well. Yeah, and I'm reading uh, the obstacle is the way right now, and I think reading both of his well, he's written a lot of books, but who? Um, now I'm blanking on his name. Ryan Holiday. Uh, Ryan Holiday wrote the obstacle is the way, and he wrote ego is the enemy, and both of those books paired together, I think, help give you a sense of calm. Uh, Whereas we think that all of our ideas need to happen right now the way that I want it because it's my passion and it needs to look exactly the way that I need it to look. Versus, you know, a a very kind of slow and steady approach to who am I helping? How am I helping them? Do I feel good while I'm helping them? 
how can I do this better? Mm-hmm. And and putting your own ego to the side every once in a while so that you can actually get real work done. And I think um, I was talking with someone the other day and I was like, passion, we were having that whole passion conversation yeah. that you just mentioned of F passion, but it wasn't F passion. It was, all right, follow your passion, figure out what you're passionate about. Now turn the passion light switch off mm. and look <laughs> at the business and turn the business light switch on. So like it doesn't that. go away. You've just turned the business light switch on and said, all right, what works? What do people pay for? Blah, 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 blah. And then turn the passion light switch back on and say, which one fits both? That people love, that they, or not love, that works, that people need, that also I enjoy. And it might not be the thing you enjoy the most. Like, I don't know, maybe watching Netflix is what you enjoy the most. That won't be your career necessarily, right? So it's it's being able to flick those two switches. Um. One other quick thing I just want to add on to that is that I just over the years what I've learned now is that now, you know, like my level of being impressed by what people are doing is just like been brought down a lot, (laughs) you know, Um, whereas like, you know, four and a half years ago, anyone who had a business idea is like, oh, my God, they're going to be millionaires. And it's like, then you realize everyone is broke. And then you come back four years from now and none of those businesses. Yeah. And now, I mean, I mentioned it to that DePaul class that we taught a couple weeks ago, but I am so much more. Like, you know what I think is really sexy now? Not a good idea, not like a really interesting tech idea. It's like a really good business model is like, that's attractive to me. Not, oh, hey, I have this app that does this, this, and this. If you show me a business model that says, here's how I make money, here's my cost of acquisition, and it's this much, and I make this much net, net profit on everything, that to me is attractive and tells me someone is going to be successful. Yeah. I mean, I wrote in my journal this morning, um, I'm so much more impressed by someone who mows lawns than someone who creates paintings um, <laughs> because the person who mows lawns found a need and solved it. The person who creates paintings just wants to express themselves. Now, if you make paintings that solve needs, wonderful. You're going to be an artist. Yeah. If you just make paintings that make you happy. Or, or, you, or it's a hobby, right? And or it's really a hobby, which is fine too. Yeah. And But like you look at Bucket Feet, like they found a way to make artists make money. Like that's... I just ran into Roger today. Yeah. And so like, but again, what is the business? Shoes. You can copy the shoe business model that exists and then add on a layer of passion. But it starts with, can I get shoes made? And then you have to sit down and say, what materials go into shoes? What companies build shoes? How can I do this at a low cost? You spend your time building the boring stuff and then the artist comes in and layers on top of it. Like, that is what I think is so interesting um, moving forward. It's, you know, we wanted to start with, I think at one point we wanted to make t-shirts. Right. No, we wanted to design t-shirts. We yeah. didn't want to make t-shirts. And there's a big difference. Exactly. There. All right. We got to wrap up soon, very soon here. So the, many people had the question of what's next. Ooh, what's next? Um, for me, I'm still figuring that, uh, that part out. Um, I have... Started a new business, tentatively started a new business called Raj Nation Innovation. Very self, uh, <laughs> self-satisfying. Um, it is, I'm going to be talking and working on a lot of the same stuff from Ideal. I'm going to taking the personal branding stuff, moving it forward. However, what I'm going to focus on now with Raj Nation Innovation is personal branding and pitch development for sales teams. And specifically... I'm going to focus, and this is we're talking about getting a specific market right, specifically um, B2B software as a service companies. I'm going, to far, I'm going to target their sales teams because they're the ones who I see. Uh, they don't just 
call up someone on the phone and make a sale right there. It's usually a several meeting courtship process where it involves going to the client, doing a pitch deck, you know, talking to them, that kind of stuff. That's where I'm going to be focusing on is leading trainings for that group. Um, but I'm also, you know, keeping, I'm not, I'm not looking, but I'm keeping, you know, eye and ear open for, are there opportunities at other companies where I can just get involved and do what I do best with them? Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, so for me, I've joined my family's consultancy to build a digital marketing uh, specialty for it. Uh, it's called Plan for Excellence. So the way that it works is there's a consulting network of consultants, of course. <laughs> um, and so my job will be finding companies for those consultants to work at, as well as building up the digital marketing expertise and uh, and that wing of the business. So. Very, very simple. We do digital marketing and we do uh, consulting, strategy and execution consulting for uh, large companies. And we will both continue to be side project people, but just be smarter about, hey, if is it a hobby slash project? It doesn't need to be a business. Okay. Or if it's going to be a business, it's going to be, you know, we'll have the model and all that stuff. Um, and we may end up doing something together again in the future. Um so just for immediate next steps, again, we talked about like, we're going to continue to do the podcast. Season six will come out in a few weeks. Uh, again, we're at what, what's the October 22nd? Uh, it'll be a few weeks because I have to figure out just like, what am I going to do for as far as like email address that it's coming from and everything like that. Um, what I do know is that future episodes you will be able to find uh, on discoveryourinnerawesome.com. That was where we hosted our online course. Uh, I'm going to be shifting that to uh, hosting the podcast on there moving forward. Um, and then, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a hard start date for when the next season, season six, will go. Excuse me, <coughs> man. Sorry, uh, but hang on to the edge of your seats because it's a coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a hard start date because I just got to figure out like what am I what what email address am I going to set up and how long is going to take to migrate the podcast content to the new site you let me know boss yeah <laughs> well it's been a hell of a ride mr mcgovern handshake over the microphone thank you mr nation <laughs> uh this is this concludes season five of the discover your inner awesome podcast we hope and you guys it concludes idea lemon. concludes <laughs> idea lemon uh we want to thank all you listeners uh, and all, all of our readers and anyone who's interacted with us over the last four and a half years um for helping make us who we are today yeah. Um, as well as the outpouring of support we got. When I sent out that email earlier this week saying, hey, we're moving on from Idea 11, I actually was expecting either ambivalence or people to be like, ah, so you didn't figure it out, huh? And the amount of, like, everyone who wrote back was like, you guys are awesome. Like, let me know how I can help you moving forward. That Thank means the world. Thank you for the love. Yeah. So with that, take care and be awesome today. Love y'all. One last time Relax, have a drink with me One last time Let's take a break tonight And then we'll teach them how to say goodbye To say goodbye You and I To talk about neutrality sure. With Britain and France on the verge of war Is this the best I time? I want the war against partisan fighting what? Pick 
Pick up a pen, start writing. I wanna talk about what I have learned, the hard-won wisdom I have earned. As far as the people are concerned, you have to serve. You could continue to serve. No. One last time, the people will hear from me. One last time, and if we get this right, we're gonna teach them how to say goodbye. me when I'm gone Like the scripture says Everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid They'll be safe in the nation we've made I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree A moment alone in the shade At home in this nation we've made one last time, one last time. Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error, I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence, and that after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service, with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion, as I myself will soon be to the mansions of rest. I anticipate with pleasing expectation that retreat in which I promise myself to realize the sweet enjoyment of partaking midst of my fellow citizens, the benign influence of the good laws of the free government, the ever-favorite object of my heart, and the happy reward, as I trust, of our mutual cares, labors, and dangers. One last time. Teach them how to say goodbye. George Washington's the way.